Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. And uh, I got a wonderful passage. I really love this uh, dead girl and sick woman. I mean, two people who really got from Jesus a miracle. And on the one hand, it sort of looks so easy, right? I mean, they came and... uh, They said, it's going to be like this. And the dead girl was risen and the woman was healed. But I've called this this morning, faith that overcomes or desperate faith or faith that gets a miracle. Because I don't think it was just as simple as that, even for them. But we'll come back to that in a minute. I mean, first I want us to think about these two people. They were two really totally different people. I mean, there's the synagogue ruler. From the other Gospels, we know his name was Jairus. So here was a man, a religious man, a man of status, one people looked up to. And then there's the woman... I mean, she had this problem, this bleeding problem. She was an outcast. She was unclean, just totally the opposite. And then, of course, the man, he came for his daughter. The woman came for herself. But what I really wanted to say is, you know, the the man came with an acute problem. I mean, it really was urgent. It really had to happen now. And in Matthew, we read the sort of the short account when he comes to Jesus and says, my daughter's just died. But we know from the other Gospels that when he first got to Jesus, she was, well, she probably had died, but he didn't know it. And then the messengers came and, oh, she's died. So when he left home, it was urgent. He had this acute problem. The woman, on the other hand, it had been 12 years. It was a chronic problem going on and on and on. She tried everything. Nothing helped. But this was the day they got their miracle. So I wonder which one you identify with. Or maybe you have both. I mean, think about it for a minute. What do, where do you need to see a miracle? Where do you need to see a change or a breakthrough? Is there some urgent thing like the synagogue ruler? Or perhaps there's some chronic thing. It's been going on for years and years and years and no change. So they were different. But they both came to Jesus. And they both... You know, it sounds like, you know, they came and they said this and they got it, but it wasn't that easy. But they both had faith. And, you know, the interesting thing is that they both said, they sort of pictured, you know, how it would be. Uh, The synagogue ruler says, come and put your hand on her and she will live. And the woman says, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. They came to Jesus in faith. But, I mean, 
How was it for them to come? Imagine this synagogue ruler, right? And it says that he came to Jesus and fell down before him. I mean, religious leaders, people of status, especially in a culture where status matters. You know, I live in Central Asia where status is a big thing. And if you're a big leader, you know, you have to look like a big leader and dress, you know, like a big leader and walk like a big leader. So you don't fall down on your knees before a carpenter from Nazareth. You don't do it. So what did he have to do to come to Jesus? He had to sort of deal with his pride. He had to deal with what people thought of him. And maybe we don't have to do that sort of in the same way because we can come to Jesus in our room and pray and even get on our knees before Jesus and nobody's looking at us. What's that person doing? (laughs) But somehow, in the same way, we need to come to Jesus and say, okay, what I've been doing up to now hasn't worked. I mean, he was a religious leader. He was believing in what they taught in the synagogue. And here was Jesus preaching something a little different. And what's more... As I said, we know from the other gospel accounts that when he set out, the girl was still alive. So he set out with hope. I'm going to go to Jesus, and she's going to come to my house. He's going to come to my house, is that what I said? And put his hand on her, and she's going to live. I mean, he pictured it. This is how it's going to be. And then what happened? She died. And sometimes it's like that when we bring something to Jesus and we want to see a breakthrough, the problem gets worse. Has that ever happened to you? No. And then what happens to our faith then when it gets worse? For us, it seems more difficult to raise the dead than to heal the sick girl. But actually, we can do neither. And for God, it's all the same. There was really one incident in my life where this story really became alive in my life because I had... A court case, I've actually had many court cases, but in this particular court case, I had a word from God that I would win the court case. He had specifically given me his promise. The problem was I didn't have a right to actually go to the high court. But anyway, I thought, I have this word from God, I will believe And this person, this official, he will say yes to my letter, and then it will go to the high court, and I'll win. I was full of faith. It was a bit like the synagogue ruler. Yet this is how it's going to happen. And so I believed. And then came the reply, 
from this official, no. Hmm. What happens to faith then? And it was at that point that somebody said to me, she wrote me a message, and I wish I still had the message, but it just said something like this. It said, just to say to God, I give up. I don't understand this situation. I don't know what's happening. I just give up. But you do something. You said you give your problem. You do something. I give up. And so I prayed something like that. And I think this is a bit like this synagogue ruler. He gave up. He gave up. He was a person who knew, you know, he knew all the laws and all the religious things. But that day, he just had to say, I give up and fall on his knees before Jesus the carpenter from Nazareth. So he had to overcome what? His sense of being in control, his pride, and just keep believing. And of course, Abraham was someone also who kept believing. It says in Romans 4.18, you know, that Abraham, he'd been promised a child, and it says, Abraham, against hope, because he was getting older and older and older and older, and his wife was getting older and older and older. So Abraham, against hope, in hope, believed. In my translation that I read at the time of my court case, it said, when hope ran out, you know, it's getting less and less and less and less. When hope ran out, he hoped. And that's what we need to do. But then, there's also this woman. And it seems, okay, easy, you know. She came and she, she did get it how she pictured, right? <laughs> I mean, for the synagogue ruler, it didn't quite go as he imagined because she died first. But for this woman, it happened just like she was saying, I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. And she was. But did you notice the synagogue ruler comes up in front of Jesus? This woman comes up behind because she's unclean. She's no right to be there. She's filled with shame. And also we know from the other Gospels that she'd spent all her money going to all these sorts of doctors and it had only got worse. And for me, I'd be just disappointed, fed up. I'm not going to try again. But then she came to Jesus. But you might say, but I'm coming to Jesus for 12 years or maybe longer maybe there's something in your life you say I've been coming to Jesus for 12 years but then I'll say two things one maybe it's just before the breakthrough and I'll tell a story about that in a minute and the other is have you really been coming to Jesus when I had this court case problem I really wanted to give up I thought, forget it. There's just no hope now. 
And somebody told me a true story, actually, of somebody who was swimming the channel for a Guinness Book of Records or something. So I don't know whether she was the youngest, the oldest, the whatever, but some Guinness World Record. And so she had beside her a safety boat, but she wasn't, they weren't allowed to communicate with this safety boat or they weren't allowed to tell her anything. It was just there for safety, and she was swimming. And there was thick fog and she swam and she swam and then she said, I cannot go on anymore. So she gave up. Remember, it's foggy. She can't see anything. She gave up and got in the boat. World record attempt done. And she was like 100 meters from shore. And when my friend told me that story and I'm in the situation where it's, you know... I don't see. She said to me, don't give up. It might be, the breakthrough might be coming real soon. But the other thing is, and I ask myself this question, am I really coming to Jesus about this issue? So I have a desire to share about Jesus with strangers. You know, like people I meet as I travel or on the street, I have this desire. The only problem is I'm actually scared of strangers. I'm really shy. You might not think that because I'm standing up here, but that's okay because you're over there and I'm here, you know? (laughs) But put me face to face with a stranger. Oh, prayed about that but recently so in the last six months one year I realized I hadn't seriously prayed about that and that's why I'm saying we need desperate faith you know do we really want to see a breakthrough in this area or not So I don't know that I so much had to overcome something like this woman or or the man to come to Jesus, but I needed to be desperate. I needed to say, okay, and I'm going to persevere. And this woman also had to persevere through the crowd, of course, right? I mean, she didn't just walk up and touch his garment. She had to get through the crowd. She had to really, really want to get there. So I started praying about this every day. And not long, like one minute. Because it says in the Bible, God doesn't need lots of words and waffling on like the pagans. But just every day. And it's sort of just a way of saying to God, I'm really, you know... I really want this. And I still haven't seen the big, you know, breakthrough. That would be for me in the situation where, you know, every stranger I just walk up to and start a conversation with. I haven't seen that. But I have seen some answers to prayer. And remember, I'm wanting to talk to strangers in order to be able to 
share about Jesus with them. So just last week, I was on a train going from the Netherlands to Germany, and uh, I was actually praying, you know, Lord, give me, you know, an opportunity to talk to somebody. And this guy in front of me, <laughs> and the woman next to me. And then I don't know what language they speak and that, you know. I'm scared of strangers even if we do speak the same language. But. So, anyway, then I get on the next train, which is waiting in the station. I mean, it hasn't left yet, it's there. And there's these two people, a young girl and a woman my age, trying to have a conversation in English. But it was obvious that neither of them actually spoke it. <laughs> and then one of them threw in a Russian word. And I thought, oh! So I started speaking to her in Russian, and we spoke for an hour and a half, the length of this train journey. And, um, and I was able to share some things with her. So yeah, I see just that okay, I'm really seriously going to pray about this. And I've seen a bit of a breakthrough. But not as much as this woman saw. But, you know, um, she overcame and she came. One more thing I want to say, actually, is, you know, when they get to the house of the synagogue ruler. It's very strong. Um, Jesus says in verse 24, go away. Remember he gets there and there's this noisy crowd and people playing pipes. They're playing a dirge. And the crowd are being noisy. You know, they're wailing because somebody's died. They're going something like, Kizama! I mean, that's what they do in Central Asia. And Jesus tells them to leave. It actually says in verse 25, after the crowd had been put outside. I mean, that's putting it in nice terms, actually. I mean, he kicked them out. Why? I mean, maybe because he didn't want people to see the miracle. Because remember, he's still telling people, don't tell anyone. But I think there's another reason. It's difficult to have faith and focus on Jesus when there's these pipes playing and people wailing, Ah, Kazamo! Right? And you know, when God told the Israelites, they were about to enter the promised land. And he gave them this strategy to take the city of Jericho. He said, walk around it once a day for six days. On the seventh day, seven times, and blow the trumpets. And Joshua said to the people, he said, it's in Joshua 6 verse 10. He really emphasized it. He says, don't raise your voice. Be quiet. Don't let any word come out of your mouth. I wonder why. Well, imagine if they had been allowed to talk. What would they have said? 
Well, this is a stupid plan. Imagine walking around the city. What does Joshua think he's doing? Does he think anything's going to come of this? I'm sure. I mean, we know the Israelites like to grumble. I'm sure they would have said something like that. So Joshua says, okay, it's better that you keep quiet. I know you're not going to say anything positive. It's better you keep quiet. And so I think that's why Jesus had them out. He didn't want this wailing and unbelief in the room. And I remember back again to my court case story. I was waiting. I'd finally, you know, got a date for the case. And people said to me, so what are you going to do if you lose? And as soon as he said this, all these thoughts. And I would rush into my room, close the door, and read again the Bible, the verses that God had given me. So we sometimes need to do that. We sometimes need to throw out these other voices. And of course, I didn't tell my friends and teammates to get lost. (laughs) I didn't throw them out the house. (laughs) I didn't even tell them to shut up. (laughs) But I did very intentionally come back to what God had said. And somehow we do need to do that. We need to get rid of the wailers and mourners. And sometimes, like the Israelites walking around Jericho, if we can't think of something full of faith to say, and we don't need to say everything's fine, you know, hallelujah, but if we can't think of something that has faith in it, that has trust in Jesus, then better maybe, you know, shut up. But I just want to finish with one verse from Hebrews 11, 13. And here it, this is of course the great chapter of faith where people received by faith. But it also does say, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. So sometimes we might not receive it, but we can still welcome it from a distance and remain in faith and be in faith. So I just would like for a minute for you to think about you. What miracle do you need from Jesus? And ask yourself the question, how can I become desperate? How can I overcome? How can I persevere and keep believing? And how can I throw out the scorning, doubting, wailing crowd? I hope I've explained what I mean so that you're not throwing anybody out of your door. Okay. (laughs) Let me just pray and then we'll continue. Father, I just ask that you will speak to each one here and show us how we 
should respond to what you're saying today. In Jesus' name, amen.